Welcome to the Write It Down podcast with the 1513 Network. I'm Brooke Murata, bringing you one-on-one interviews to challenge, to inspire, and to encourage. Today, we sit down with National Baseball Hall of Famer Ozzie Smith, a.k.a. The Wizard. Ozzie was a tenacious defensive player in the MLB, known for his backflips when he'd take the field. Ozzie Smith is a man of integrity and can be characterized by his strong work ethic and discipline. Ozzie was a shortstop for the San Diego Padres from 1978 to 1981 and continued his career with the St. Louis Cardinals from 1982 to 1996. He assisted in leading the Cardinals to the World Series three times. In 1982, Ozzie along with the Cardinals were named World Series champions. Ozzie shares with us, you only get out of something what you put in. Sit back, relax, and get your pens ready because this is Write It Down. All right. Well, welcome back to the Write It Down podcast with the 1513 Network. I'm Brooke Murata on the line with National Baseball Hall of Famer Ozzie Smith, also known as the Wizard. Ozzie, it's a pleasure having you today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Brooke. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. And I have to be honest. I... um, did not grow up on baseball, so full transparency, and I know you'll be transparent with me. Yeah. Um, but if there's any curveballs my way, just give me some grace because I'm I'm working through this whole baseball love myself. But every single time I had mentioned to somebody that you were going to be on my podcast, they were like, are you kidding me, Ozzy Smith? I mean, he is such a man of character. He's so fun to watch, like one of the best defensive players in baseball of all time. So um, I got to I, I gotta ask you to rewind back in time for us of when did baseball become your dream? Yeah, well, you know, you talk about uh, when did I know? I, I don't know if I knew when I was young that it was the thing that I was going to do. But when I decided to go to college, I had to do some soul searching. And I realized that that. Um, baseball was really what i loved doing more than anything else i never got drafted out of high school which is a little discouraging so i had to take a different route to the big leagues um i played uh i went to a little small school in central california after graduating lock high school in south central los angeles i went 1973 i graduated and um went to cal poly at san luis obispo which is halfway between san francisco and los angeles on the central coast there and um, in 1976, I get drafted by the Detroit Tigers. The Detroit Tigers offered me $8,500. And I went back to the Tigers and I said, you know, I finished three years of my schooling. And if you give me another $1,500, $10,000, I would sign with the Detroit Tigers. Well, they went back and they say they didn't have it in their budget. So I went back to school in hopes of getting drafted again my senior year, which I did by the San Diego Padres. And being the good businessman that I am, Brooke, I signed for $5,000 and a bus ticket to Walla Walla, Washington, where I started my professional career. Wow, what an upgrade from that ten grand <laughs> that you were hoping for with the Tigers. <laughs> so, yes, it, uh, it, it was at, at that point, it was more the opportunity because not many college seniors get drafted. So right. uh, I promised my mom that I was going to get my education. So uh, I, I went back. I was actually, I was rolling the dice there, you know, in hopes of getting drafted uh, my senior year, which, which I did because not m- many college seniors get drafted. But I knew that I was on the board at the time, so... Uh, the exposure that I was looking for was there, and now was just about the opportunity. Right, and and you had mentioned that it was um, discouraging not being drafted out of high school. So when you were drafted mm-hmm. um, to the Padres, um, 
how how did that feel? Was that like a rewarding moment for you? Because people don't see the high school gap to the the draft during that time. So like, what was your right, thought yeah. life like? Well, I mean, here here again, it was it, it all has to do, and I'm sure that with most of the people that you have on your show, it's about belief in oneself. I knew coming out of high school that I I my my hand and eye coordination was good enough. Uh, now it was just about getting the opportunity. And uh, San Diego Padres gave me that opportunity in uh, 1978, which my which was my rookie year, and it, it was believing in myself and knowing that if given the opportunity, I would be ready to stop through, st- um, step through that window of opportunity. Right. And uh, when that window of opportunity um, uh, came about, I was I was ready to step through it, you know, because I had had had, had put the work in. And had done all the things that I knew that I could do that was going to afford me the opportunity to um, to play professionally. And and my goal was to be as good a professional player as I could be. Right. But you so you were born in Alabama and moved out to L.A. Do you think your yes. life would have been dramatically different if you would have been raised in Alabama? Well, it, it may have been, but I think our our courses, uh, all of us, our courses is charted for us and. You just uh, you 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 follow the road. You follow the road where it leads you. You know, and for me, it was uh, going out to California when I was moving out there when I was six years old, and all of my growing up was done there. You know, so I just kind of followed the path, and um, you know, I worked hard uh, to try and make sure that I was I, I was I was kept myself in a position to be able to to take advantage of what opportunities presented themselves. Can you um, describe for me your time with the Padres? Is there one defining moment or one defining um, teammate or manager that stood out to you? Well, the defining moment, I think, was a Thursday afternoon. Uh, we were playing the Atlanta Braves, and I was it was my rookie year, and there's a ground ball hit up the middle by a guy by the name of Jeff Burroughs. Jeff Burroughs... Um, well, I probably was the most surprised person in the ballpark because he hits a ball up the middle. I dive for the ball, and as I dive for the ball, my glove hand is going one way, and the ball goes in in the opposite direction. So with my glove hand being gone, the only thing that I could do was reach back with my bare hand, which I did while being parallel in the air. Uh, the ball hit in my hand. It stuck, and I was able to scramble to my feet and throw him out. And I think that was the defining moment for me as a player, and um, I, I think that when you look back now at my career, it was it was the play that put me on the map. Did was there like the roar of the crowd? Was there just this like electric moment for you after that play? It was, but you know what? It, my my job was to that was my job, you know. So I didn't I didn't get caught up in it, and I didn't really realize the impact uh, of the play until the next morning when I was listening to the radio and. The announcer says, I think I saw the greatest play that I've ever seen in my life yesterday. And it was at that point that I realized that, you know, something special had happened. But here again, I was just doing what I've always done, you know, uh, following the ball and uh, keeping my nose to the ground and, and, and making sure that I did my job. And you were nicknamed the wizard. At what point were you nicknamed the wizard? What's the story behind that? And what does it mean to you? Here again, Brooke, I don't know exactly when that started, but in baseball, you know, we have nicknames and, you know, we don't really call our call everybody by their whole name. You know, so Osborne and people shorten that by calling me Oz. 
And I think with the with the, the type of play that I just uh, described to you there, and, and the way that I played my style of play, um, it made it easy for people to associate that with the Wizard of Oz and and stuff. So I I think that's how that all came about. Yeah, and then you transitioned to play with the Cardinals in 1982. So what was what was that like moving from the Padres to the Cardinals? Well, it's it's going from a place like San Diego that has the most average temperature of any city in the United States and coming back to a place that has three or four feet of snow. Mm. So you can imagine what uh, what that was like. But here again, I think coming to the Cardinals and getting the opportunity to play for the, the Cardinal organization, it really afforded me the opportunity to experience what winning was all about. The organization was rich in tradition. Um, they had some great players with with um with great resumes and and stuff so here again i was going to get the opportunity that i'd been looking for and the question that we all ask ourselves um you know before we reach the pinnacle am i as good as i think i am um am i the player that i think i am and you know coming over here in 1982 gave me the chance to to show my wares and we were able to win the world series in 1982 so crazy. it all worked out and i ended up getting traded for one of the greatest players to ever don a pair of spikes a guy by the name of gary templeton so there was a lot of pressure that went along with that because i was notably a defensive player and gary was a great offensive and defensive player what we call a true five tool player a guy who could throw, could catch, could hit with power, could hit with average, and still to this day remains the only guy in the National League that's gotten 100 hits from the left side and the right side of the plate. So there was that pressure of being able to go out and perform and and uh, perform at a level that was that was expected of me, and and uh, it all worked out for me. Um, you know, we were able to win the World Series in 1982, and I think the Padres did go to the World Series. I think it was 1984. So, yeah, it was uh, it was good for both uh, both organizations. At any point in your life, did you feel like your dream was dying or something that was way far out of reach? Well, you know, there are always times where you know it, it doesn't seem like things are working. You know, uh, for me, before I got drafted, you know, it seemed like maybe this is not the thing for me. And I can remember in college uh calling my mom and saying hey that this thing doesn't appear to be working out for me and i'm coming back home because it was the first time i'd been away from home as well so i was gotten gotten a little homesick which was about four hours away and um i can remember remember saying that hey um you know i'm coming home and i can remember her telling me you don't have a home that is your home and she had my high school coach call me and say hey you know uh you're not gonna give up yeah, this is the best place for you and you hang in there and, and things are going to work out. And a couple of days later, the starting shortstop gets hurt. And and as they say, the rest is history. I, I stepped in and I never looked back. Your your high school coach, um, Art Webb, what comes to mind when I say his name? Well, I mean, he was one of the people. I was fortunate that I had people in my life that all preached the same message. And that message was to be the very best that you could be no matter what it was. And and stuff. My mom preached that same message and, and, and stuff. So I have that support system there and I was hearing the same message all the time. So I never let up and uh, I live by that creed. You mentioned in your hall of fame induction speech about Birdie Har. Um, mm-hmm. What, what are some um, like 
keynote advice that he has given you that you were able to use in your professional baseball career? Well, here it's the same. It was the same message, you know, knowing that um, I've got to be the best that I can be today. You know, don't um, don't let anybody discourage you from from doing the things that you could do. And Bertie Hart was one of the people that thought it would be a good idea for me to start switch hitting. And he was the first person to switch me over to the other side so that I could take advantage of my uh, my overall speed and and stuff. And uh, so, you know, as far as switch hitting goes, he was he was the impetus of that because he recognized early on that uh, with my speed, if, if I learn to hit from the other side of the plate, uh, I could uh, probably have a end up having a, a pretty good career. Yeah, and something that stands out to me about switch hitting is I can imagine when you first start to learn, it's a little awkward. You feel a little bit like um, maybe like in surfing, you feel like it's goofy foot. Like some people are like, oh, that's goofy yeah. footed. That's backwards. And so I'm yeah, sure it, it was, feels different. Yeah, it was weird. It was weird. Uh, but one of the good things that he did, one of the things that he did was he gave me a field hockey net that has a basket on the end of it. And that's how I started getting the feel of, of you know, uh, of hitting the ball. I had to catch the ball in that net. And that was really the, the one thing that I think that made it a little bit easier for me was, was having a tool like that that I, could, uh, that I could utilize. It wasn't too heavy, and it gave me the feel of what it was I was trying to accomplish. We're going to take a quick break from our show to discuss Patreon. Patreon is a secure site that allows creators to make albums, videos, and podcasts like the one you're listening to now. So if you enjoy Write It Down, please head over to our website, xvxiii.com or spell out 1513.com in your browser. Click on the Patreon banner at the top of the page and show your support. Write It Down is made possible by the 1513 Network, so please send over your love, your support for the other shows as well. If not, just stick with Write It Down because I'm the coolest, the realest, the illest. Anyways, back to the show. Moving on from baseball into more of the normal, everyday, mundane life, how would you um, maybe describe how you've taken that principle of maybe switch hitting into life, of being able to approach something from a different angle? How would you say that maybe you do that in your your own personal life? Well, let me say this here. I I, I think that um, improvisation is one of the greatest assets anybody can have in life. You know, it's like playing shortstop. You know, uh, many times in turning the double play, I never really knew exactly how I was going to turn it. I had to be able to improvise depending on where the runner was. And I think that that's uh, that's the way life is. You have to be able to make adjustments. Uh, If you're going to be successful, you got to be able to adjust as you go along. And um, baseball presented me with that same uh, with that same approach, you know, making sure that um, you knew how to do things from a different way you had to figure out a way to be successful and um and so you had to change uh with the situation so ozzy what's everyday life like without baseball i mean i think it's different for all of us and and it, it can present a, a, a scary scenario for a lot of people if in fact baseball is all you know and i think that the great ones the ones that are able to uh, accomplish great things in their lives or are fortunate enough to make the hall of fame I think there are other opportunities that are presented to them while they're still playing, which if you're smart, you get involved in those things and you figure out the people, you make the relationships that you need to make to to make sure that once it is over with, you have something to 
to, to fall back on. That's why education was always so important. It's the thing that I preach to young kids. And certainly if you're not going to be a number one draft pitch, then um, draft pick, then you make sure that you get an education because an ed- education allows you something to fall back on. Yeah, for sure. But for, but for all of us, you know, we, we find, we find things that, that, that we can compete in because there's a competitive void in our lives. And when you do it, as long as we do it, um, you find that thing. And that thing for most of us, I think has been the game of golf because, and I say that because you, you're battling yourself, you're battling the course, you're battling the people you're playing against. And it presents a real challenge to be able to get yourself to a point of respectability. And, um, so you're able to put in the same type of work that you did in your craft. And, and that's something that's already built in. So, uh, golf has been that that one challenging thing for for me and a lot of my friends because we know that we'll never master it, but we want to get to a, a point of respectability. Yeah, and that 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 hard work ethic never really leaves. So having something that you can put all your attention that's right. into. That's right. That's all, that that that's never going to leave you. You know, so um, there there there'll always be something that the great ones can fall into. Absolutely. Okay, so you me- you mentioned education and preaching the importance of education. So if if baseball and the nickname wizard and all that stuff just wasn't a part of your story, what would you have done? What would been, you be? It would have been, been with a teaching background. You know, I um, um, did uh, psychology and business as my major. You know, so it was with a teaching background. So, I, I, you know, I would have had uh, probably would have ended up being a teacher. Do you do you have any like aspirations to teach now? I mean, I'm sure you go around and speak and. Right, right. I mean, that's that's all now. I, I the this, this schedule wouldn't permit it. And, I, and, and my life is pretty interesting in that, um, you know, some of the things that I do now and um no, I, I, to answer your question, I don't have any aspirations to, to, to teach right now. And so what does life look like for Ozzy Smith right now? Well, it's picking and choosing the things that I want to do. I'm um, the president of the Gateway Chapter of the PGA here in St. Louis, which uh, exposes young kids in the inner city to not only the game, but the business of golf as well. Um, I have... Uh, I'm, I'm part owner of seven pain management clinics where we do PRP, we do stem cell. Uh, I'm a baby boomer, so I've always been interested in trying to stay as youthful and as young mm-hmm. as I possibly can. And that's what um, my Ozzy Smith IMAC regeneration centers do, uh, integrated medicine and chiropractic. I met a few guys uh, uh, a few years ago who... Uh, I'm in business with, and uh, I enjoy doing that because it, it, here again, it gives people their lives back and uh, and stuff. So I'm doing the things that I want to do. I get a chance to play a lot of golf, uh, a lot of wonderful golf tournaments and, and stuff. So life is good. Something that stands out to me, even post-baseball, about your life is um, you mentioned like giving people the opportunity to, to get healthy and kind of give them their lives back. And something you mentioned um, in, in your speech was, 
basically there's nothing greater than character um, and you surrender yourself and you got to move into selflessness. And so live when and who really implemented the, the ideology to live selflessly, because that's not a natural thing. We do not want to live selflessly here again. I think that the the most important thing in life is the the ability to give back Um, knowing and understanding that it comes from a greater power. Your gift comes from a greater power and, there's no greater power than being able to to share your gift and to give give that gift to someone else to to be able to to, to uplift them in in their lives and and stuff. So it's always been that thing there. It's one of the things that my mom preached, the thing my coach preached, and and from that standpoint, I've always had people who have given me that same message of how important it is to give back. So I've tried to live by that. And as as a dad, how how where are the challenges that you face as being a, a parent and having to raise kids and also want them to chase their dreams and give them opportunity? So how do you carry that into parenthood? Well, you know what? You try and be half as good a parent as you were a player. And, you know, being a good parent is is a real it, it's real challenging. It's not the easiest thing in the world. And I think that here as a player, if you're married, uh, most of the credit probably goes to the if especially as far as baseball is concerned, because, you know, you're on the road so much. So most of the credit at raising a family goes to the mother, mm-hmm. you know, because she's the one that that does all of the things day in and day out. We're out making a living and. And, and making sure that they are afforded the opportunity to live a decent life. And, and we're making that living. But as far as the, the little things every day, the, the, the birthday parties, the bar mitzvahs, those are things that we miss out on as players when, when we're doing our thing. Yeah. And so, um, you know, now that, that, that you're out of it, I think that that's why when we do retire from it, it's about spending time with the family because you're trying to you're playing catch up on all of those things that you missed out on when, while you were doing your thing. I mean, I, I I can't imagine the sacrifice that it takes to really chase that dream and and just you're sacrificing a lot of the time with people who who know you for you because you're surrounded by people who don't really know you. Like, I well, mean, I, maybe your well, team, but people that are cheering for you, they don't know you behind the scenes. And so did you feel like it was hard to uh, connect with people when you were uh, pursuing baseball? No, no, no. It wasn't hard to connect with people because I think that um, it, it becomes a it, it becomes a part in a way of life, um, you know, because people are a part of your everyday life and, and stuff. So I think you make the adjustments here again that you have to make that's going to allow you to um, to be successful in whatever it is you choose to do. And I think that um, when you're when you're chasing success, I think the biggest thing that people have have um, given me advice on is to really not lose that that sense of of self of who you are when you the, the little girl that I was growing up because you kind of lose that uh, it gets lost in translation when you're chasing something. And so well, I can. You know what? Some uh, I, I think that what happens a lot of times is this: is you use you lose anonymity, and when you lose that anonymity, it 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 creates another whole dynamic in your life and stuff. So you have to learn how to how, how to live with that and realize that 
and I, and I hope that people realize that you can't be on every day. So you try and avoid those those moments when things are are are, are not good, and not letting it get too far out of hand and uh, and stuff. And I think a lot of lot of players, a lot of guys, have to deal with that because uh, people assume that we are people people, and not all of us are people people. Mm-hmm. You know, so there are some people that don't enjoy being around people. So. You know, you have to allow a guy the the freedom to be able to be himself, and if that's the way he is, then that's the way he is. And sometimes you get locked into this this idea of what people want us to be. You know, because if it's your favorite player, you want your favorite player to be this guy that's a people people, but he may not be that that people person. And, and now we're living too, and and I know times were different when when you were playing, but now we're living in an age where we have our our the people that we are and then we have the people that we portray on social media and then we have the people that we portray in different circles and so this generation that's coming up really doesn't know who they actually are because everything's a brand yeah it's a little different yeah it's a little different um this generation certainly is a um it, it, it is a generation that when you grow up with all of this um what am I trying to say? Um, all of the, the the outside entities that 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 get in the way of of, of everyday life. You know, you look you look around with technology today. You know, you press a button, and I I try and stress to kids. You know, give yourself a fifteen or twenty second grace period before you press send. Yeah. You know, it, it is. I mean, it, it gets into the world that quickly, you know, so you have to be very, very careful. You have to be thoughtful. Um, y- y- you you can't be reckless in, in, in the things that you say and, and do today. And uh, because back in the day, you may have been able to get away with it. It's tough to get away with today. Yeah, everybody knows everything about you nowadays. And and I really like that. That's a really good nugget of wisdom right there to to give yourself 10 to 20 seconds of just grace of like, do I really want to post this? Do I really want to send this? Because now everybody can screenshot things. And that's right. And it's just like, man, like you, you got to be careful and 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 what you want to put out there um so to speak um i kind of want to go back and this is kind of back to the baseball um but with that backflip tradition Mm -hmm. you would come on the field and just do this elaborate backflip and and amp yourself (laughs) up where did where did that come from like that's do you have a gymnastic background like what is that no no i i growing up in southern california i lived across the street from a wood factory where they used to build pallets so there was always plenty of sawdust. So as a young kid, I, I always took a dare. I dare you. I bet you can't do it. <laughs> um, so we used to go over and tumble in the sawdust. And then on Thursdays, we'd go to family fun centers where they had trampolines in the ground. And we'd, we'd tumble. So that's where my tumbling started. In 1978, as a rookie, after we finished working out, we had to run two miles. I wasn't big into running two miles and, and stuff. So I was the young guy at the back of the pack. And... The older guys gave me a hard time about the fact that uh, I was a young guy and I should be up near the front running. Well, I wasn't fond of running, especially long distances. So um, to show them I wasn't tired, I did my round off backflip, which at the time, you know, I had I had leaps. And Gene Tennis, who was a teammate, had girls that were involved in gymnastics, and he wanted me to show them 
that I could do that at some point in time during the season, which I wasn't able to do. So the final day of the season, which was Fan Appreciation Day, he and the PR guy thought it would be a good idea for me to do it going out to my position. I reluctantly did it. People liked it so much, they asked me to do it opening day the following year, and lo and behold, a tradition uh, was created. Man, have, did you ever, like, like flop like on the field, like not land to stick the landing. No, no, they just no, they just got lower and lower as I got older and older. You know, uh, <laughs> tumbling. Yeah, at the end, at the end, I certainly did not have the same leaps I did when I when I started. Could you do one now? Like, would you be no, able to? No, really? No, no <laughs> not no, even I, a uh, somersault. No, well, I could do a somersault, but I I couldn't do a roundoff backflip. The body doesn't. At 65, doesn't react the same way it did at 25. I can imagine. I w- I'm just going to, uh, since you say you're, uh, or you were, a daring guy, like, I bet you can't. I would like that to be your thing. Not that I have any say, but maybe before you take the golf course, you can just do a little somersault. Just oh, yeah, something okay. easy, maybe a tumble yeah. roll. Just- yeah, bro, it'll probably be more like a roll than, <laughs> than anything. <laughs> like roll yourself to the next hole. All right, so we're getting to that point of the show where I ask each guest something that that they've, um, just words of wisdom that they've lived by. So it's called the Write It Down Podcast. And so what is something that you want us to glean from you? Words that you maybe live by. Okay, for everybody out there, know that in life, you only get out of something what you put in. If you don't put anything in, you shouldn't expect anything in return. Write it down. Write it down. Ozzy Smith, the wizard. Thank you for joining the Write It Down podcast. Um, it was a pleasure having you today. Brooke, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Write It Down podcast. This podcast is a part of the 1513 Network. You can catch a variety of shows on their website, 1513.com. If you enjoy listening to Write It Down, please subscribe, share with your friends, and if there's any ink left in your pen, write a review. For more content, follow the fun on Instagram by following at W-I-D-P-O-D. That spells WIDPOD. Super cool. Stands for Write It Down Podcast, but it's abbreviated to WIDPOD. Anyways, thanks for listening, and we will catch you later.